AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. My laptop was lagging, so I have no idea how much of that intro you saw. Uh, hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Grand Slam review over here on Wrestling Headlines. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and I'm joined by former writer for Wrestling Headlines, Sam Brown, to review a great wrestling show. Here on YouTube and also in podcast form, links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. Sam Brown. What a show we have just watched. <laughs> with oh, it was so good. Match. It flew by. Mm. It absolutely flew by. It was a joy to watch. Just AEW firing all cylinders. Professional wrestling is amazing. And it's oh, it's, it's just so... the uh, Again, the, the, my notes really pretty much just read as the ovations, the atmosphere. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so good. Yeah. I've, I've, I think I've written crowd was hot <laughs> so many times. <laughs> oh, just as a very robotic kind of response to it. Crowd was hot. <laughs> they really were, though. Just the amount of times where I'm just like, a, yeah, a white hot thing led into this, where they also got a white hot reaction. It's like, oh, it's so nice to see. And I was really excited to see what the setup was going to be like at Arthur Ashe. With the especially with the women's final at Arthur Ashe still so fresh in the mind, the venue itself, like just how it looks normally, is still vividly there because it's only been two weeks since the major spotlight was on the venue, and now, my God, it looks fantastic. The amount of people who took photos in the stadium just to say, yeah, it looks down on the thing. It's so much better than like an NFL stadium, which isn't built for that. The tennis is the exact kind of building, the way that they build them for the reasons they do. Yeah, wrestling, turning that into a wrestling venue is absolutely perfect. Why has no one else thought of this? <laughs> like, it just absolutely screams. <laughs> Such a good idea. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more there. I liken it to, here in Australia, we have a number of different kinds of fields that we have because we have so many different sports. Um, but we have sort of rugby, which is done on a soccer, I guess, a football pitch. For those who don't know much about rugby, uh, but we also have very popular is cricket and also AFL, which is effectively played on a cricket oval. Uh, AFL is Australian football rules, very different to any other kind of football you've ever seen. <laughs> um, I liken it to seagulls fighting over a chip, uh, but it's and it's, mind, it's, on a, mind, it's on a cricket mind, field. So, mind. so exactly, exactly. <laughs> but sometimes they build these multi-purpose fields, right, which are just big ovals essentially, like you know, like a running track that they'd have at the yeah. Olympics, and they just plonk a. They plonk, plonk a footy field in the middle and they say, well, it's not perfect, but it'll do. But you're sitting a fair bit away and it's mm. ideally atmosphere is not great. But then you get the purpose built fields where, you know, the the edges of the stadium come up to the sidelines. And that's what this was like. Mm. The tiered seating was only, you know, the floor seating was only about four or five deep. And then you got to the tiers. So it felt like the tiers, the tiered seating was right on top of the ring. I can't, I imagine it was incredible um, to actually be in the arena and, and not be so far away from the, uh, so far away from the ring, uh, mm. and it just looked so good on TV. It, it was, yeah, it, it feels like a tennis court is purpose built for wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's. But do you reckon? Do you reckon they'd let? Do you reckon they'd let AEW uh, go on the courts of Wimbledon? Oh, they are. There's so well, much. Might tradition. be stretching it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Way too steeped in tradition and, oh, but you got to take care of the grass. <laughs> Things like would the that. Queen come along to watch AEW? No. If she, if, no. If, if <laughs> no, she would not. <laughs> Neither would Prince William or <laughs> any of the other ones. I feel like that's a Prince Harry thing, though. Prince Harry would go to wrestling. <laughs> 
Maybe if they did it at Wembley, which, uh, which to be fair, I'm surprised there hasn't been another attempt to do a Wembley wrestling show. But that would be my assumption that they would do it at Wembley with the that's built for football. Yeah, our football. Ooh, that's is, a lot of. How big is Wembley? That's a lot of butts in seats. That's like I think it's a hundred eighty thousand or something, it isn't it? Hundred, unless that's Old Trafford. I can't oh remember. wow! Yeah, like they are big, properly big. Yeah, um, but maybe you, in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously not right now. Uh, we just hap- the UK tour's happening, and it's just the reaction so far is we're just happy to see you right <laughs> like now with WWE. Mm. Yeah, in that current state. Uh, Cody keeps saying, and Tony keeps saying, that we are going to, we do plan to do UK stuff. It's just, obviously, there are other things happening where it's not a, exactly type of thing. And see with WWE, when they've had to do the tour, certain people haven't been able to go because of the, with our thing over here in the UK, like, if you're not vaccinated, you're not coming. Like, it's as simple as that. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, certain stars have missed on the tour right now. So, I don't know if it, even just with that, just, that's like a little flag of, Things aren't normal. Like it, the pandemic's not over just because we're opening up, and that's. Well, I mean, you know that worse than anybody. You're being Australian right now, <laughs> like it's. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> not great right now. We were doing well. We we're doing better we than most, so well. but it's not great right now. <laughs> oh, it was. We, you looking at us, and we were all in pain. We were like, oh, the damn lockdown for months and months on end. Uh, you. Yeah, and I was like thing. tweeting photos of going to wrestling shows <laughs> <Yeah>. and. <laughs> Yeah, then Not so much anymore. <laughs> got you in the end. <laughs> got you in the end. Yep, yep. We could only hold out so long. Our inept government rollout just didn't didn't work. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, the the people don't want to hear about that. They no, they, they want to hear about Vesso, AEW Dynamite Grand Slam yes. and the twenty thousand people they packed into that arena. Oh, to to hear as well that when they had production all set up and it's like, by the way, guys, with the new seats available, we're gonna be able to break twenty thousand. So <gasps> yes. <laughs> and you can see the seats behind yeah. the setup as well. I'm assuming they went out at obscured view kind of ticket prices, but still, it was oh, yeah. it was quite nice to be able to see the crowd behind that setup as well. I think I was expecting mm. no kind of big thing like that. I thought it'd just be like a flat stage with the tunnels, and they you'd be able to see the crowd as above them, like old WWF style, was what my theory was going to be. But uh, no, actually, I didn't mind this setup. I don't know if people there minded it, <laughs> but they would have known buying <laughs> an obscure ticket price. Oh, I mean, you know, going in, if you're getting tickets at the last minute mm. and they cost twenty dollars, yeah. you're not you're not expecting to be at ringside. <laughs> mm. But again, the setup was amazing. That was our initial point. We drifted onto pandemics, oh, yeah. but that was the main point. Arthur Ashe looked fantastic, and. My and God. acoustically sounded yes. so good. It was yes. cavernous. Yeah, and um, cavernous the way that things sounded. I mean, it's a typical thing as well of AEW where the live feed still sounded really good, but apparently being there live was something else. There's something about AEW's audio which it doesn't quite get that across in terms of how loud and booming it is. Uh, you can still tell because the crowd is so incredibly loud, but <laughs> it's still that slight little thing in terms of the sound balance. They'll get it eventually. It's just it's the, the crowd are just too hot. <laughs> they're, too, they're enjoying it too much. <laughs> They've had to learn like, oh crap! What happens when they go this loud? <laughs> We're not ready for this. <laughs> uh, they're getting better at it. But yes, my God, the ovations, the atmosphere, and the first three entrances we got just encapsulated that perfectly. So starting off with Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. As soon as they, uh, I think, because I um I. I 
did I see something? No, I can't remember. So when they said at the start of the show, they ran through the card as they normally do. And I'm like, wait, are they starting? <laughs> Kenny Omega versus Brian Dennis. So when they said that Britt Baker and Ruby Soho was going to be the main event, I was like, wait, why? if that's the main event, that surely means only one thing. <laughs> and then Daniel Bryan's music hit. I was like, oh my God, they're starting with this match. Good God, Sam. <laughs> they started <laughs> with Kenny Omega. Yep. It's Brian Danielson. Which I guess makes sense because the title with the, with the title not being on the line, they put their one title match in the main event. It's like, oh, actually, yeah, no, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's perfectly fine, and it's just a dream match we thought we would never see. Like hell, Brian's last match was the main event of WrestleMania. That's mental. Unless I'm forgetting a SmackDown throwaway thing. No, he he lost to Roman Reigns in SmackDown in the Thunderdome. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll just we'll just pretend yeah, yeah. it was in my <laughs> head. It's, it's a better narrative. <laughs> yeah, in my head, Vines last Good match, match was, actually. Good yeah. match. <laughs> but this match as well, what a match! The crowd. Another telling thing as well was the crowd were on their feet for almost all of it. I want to say like up until mm. the first ad break where they did the spot on the ramp, which. Daniel Bryan selling his neck has another level to every other wrestler because of what's happened to him. And Omega did not hold back, (laughs) targeting the neck and spine to brutal effect, uh, escalating to avalanche heights. Because when they they were about to do the spot, I was just like, are they going to do the Okada Omega spot where they do the dragon suplex off the top? It's like... But it's Daniel Bryan. He shouldn't be doing a dragon suplex off the top, surely. <laughs> <laughs> he found he found a much safer way to do the bump because he did like the full rotation rather than like Okada was like, no, I can land on my neck. <laughs> no, Kazuki, <Yeah. laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but still, that that one on the ramp where maybe it looked like we're going to do the uh, when you do the dragon quite often you kind of roll through, but on this one, Bryan kind of, he did the whip onto the back and then kind of slid down the ramp on his neck. I was like, no. No, it just it just oh, sold yeah. came next. That so, was so much more. That that particular part was brutal. I think they, I, I like that they went on first. They did this the same thing. They did the same thing when they had the thirty minute Iron Man match. Mm. I guess it just when you're going to go to a thirty minute time limit in this company, you, you've really going first is a good idea because it means that no matter what happens, you'll have got to that thirty minute time limit because no one can accidentally go over time and and stuff you up with that. Uh, so I think that's probably why they did it. And of course the, the, having the, the championship, the title match go on last, um, and, and giving it that prestige that a championship should have, uh, also did that. But yeah, look, as you said, the selling of the head and the neck, um, I mean, Omega's offense is based around the, the upper, Mm. the upper body, the back, the upper back and the neck and the head, you know, you've got V triggers, you've got the the dragon the dragon suplex the snap dragon suplex and of course the one winged angel that lands someone straight on their neck and he lays it in at the best of times but i think these two had a word backstage and were just <laughs> like hey make me feel it make me feel alive out there boy <laughs> you know mm. they just lit each other up you saw brian's chest just ripped raw and raw and red and welting and it reminded me of when he had his first match back. Um, well, not his first match back, but one of his first matches back where uh, it was at the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia and Roddy Strong just lit him up and he just had welts all across his chest and, and Omega was red as well. And, yeah, that 
that dragon suplex, they kind of, you knew they were going to go for those sorts of things, but because it happened so quickly and with such snap, it caught you off guard and all you saw was just bang, uh, the snap on the, the snap on the suplex. And then, yeah, the way that Brian sold it, just sliding down the ramp. And then, you know, the way that Omega just targeted that neck and the head ruthlessly and the way that Brian sold it was just such, such good chemistry. And, and Brian selling is just so good and so good at seeing him grit through it and try and psych himself up. But also you can see that he's in pain. It's just so good. Mm. These two are perfect together. Their chemistry is so good. They're ty- this is the first time they've ever, re- well, not the first time they've ever wrestled each other, but the first time in 10 years mm. that they've wrestled <laughs> each other. And that was a one-off match, which was very different to this mm. one. Uh, and they immediately were able to dodge things at the last minute, to pull off counters at the last minute. Uh, I think this is like Naito Okada-level chemistry with Kenny here. These guys have some incredible matches in each other, uh, in in it, and this is just the start. Mm. Uh, I think we saw in the in the final stretch um, just how good these two can be when they you know get that chain of that thirty minutes released. And, you know, maybe it's a title match. Maybe it's a non-title. Maybe it's not a title match. Maybe it happens after Kenny's lost the belt or who knows when it's going to happen. But when these two meet again and they have a full 60-minute time limit, it's going to be something else, man. Oh, it's just like the second half of this was truly something special. Like the 30-minute time limit arrived as if it had been no time at all. <laughs> it was just, you mm. could sense it in the crowd. It'd been 30 minutes and the crowd were white hot as they just start kind of going into each other is the kind of noise you get when maybe you're entering the like you're entering maybe your final 10 <laughs> so that, that kind of momentum mm. and they were they were at the time limit which was crazy <laughs> just um Rich and i Ra- loved how one of the things i loved about it was that it didn't finish with one of them you know locked in a submission mm. or going for a pin it finished with them brawling and punching each other and you got and they didn't stop neither of them stopped you got the feeling that both of them as characters um with their egos and their pride and and their will to fight and their love of the the love of the scrap you got the feeling that they wanted to continue fighting each other and it was actually other people interrupting that sort of stopped what was happening mm. uh and i love that i love that thing is because then you it's not just that we want more it's these guys in the storyline in the character um in the characters they've got a taste of what they can do uh, and they want to one continue it and two they want to prove that they're better uh, and that's why this can happen after a title it changes hands and it's still going to feel big because for these characters now um, this is something that's going to hang over their heads yeah and like as, as well, the thing, uh, Rich Latter was uh, tweeting out that these two essentially just had a Kenny Omega G1 Climax time limit draw main event <laughs> just to kick off and mm. open the show. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That's that's the perfect that's the perfect sum up of it. Yeah. And especially when, um, when I went on Twitter as well afterwards, just seeing people like Lance Storm saying that was the wrestling match of my dreams. <laughs> it's just everything. Mm. Obviously, he's like loving the technical side of it and oh. Man, it was such a good, uh, such a good match, and especially I think the thing that really did elevate it was how well Brian sold his neck <laughs> to the level mm. of when they did the shots in the crowd. There were multiple people like, "Oh wait, no, something gone wrong." Because th- for me, the person that needs a hell of a lot of praise is the referee 
forgotten his name. He's the Ring of Honor one. Forgotten his name. But because he kept going to Brian after every single spot, you internally just go, oh, why does he keep checking on Brian? Is something not right? Uh, it's like, oh, it's so good. Because <laughs> it, it, that, that's a perfect way to trick us. <laughs> we're just like, something must be wrong because he keeps checking on him. No, they were just selling that he was hurt. Oh, <laughs> God, gee, really good stuff. <laughs> really good. And uh, yeah, again, final 30 minutes. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Rana reversal of the One-Winged Angel as well. It gets me every time. It's so because it's like, where, how do they escape at this point? He's got the arm. Well, if they can pull off a Rana, <laughs> then that's the, like the main way out. Really, really good stuff. Uh, it just it did reach that point of what do you do next? And again, someone pointed out on Twitter, Omega only pulls out the Phoenix Splash if he's getting desperate. If he is like got to that confidence level where he doesn't believe, he can he pulls out the Phoenix Splash. And when he did that here, and it missed, it's like ah. Oh, Yes, that, for me that is amazing. When I do the uh, Gareth shout out to Gareth for the long term storytelling <laughs> with the with the Phoenix with the Kenny Omega's confidence, it just it's all in ring by the little things that you see, or like the way that he dresses to do certain things. It's just it's that long kind of character trait that he's got, and again the entire time he's building the feud with Ibushi still. <laughs> They're not in the same company. <laughs> it's just all these little layers. And none of it is said like right to your face. Like, um, Escalo doesn't call, oh, it's the Phoenix Splash that Kota Ibushi does because they used to be a tag team together. <laughs> like, it's nothing like that. <laughs> it's just for those in the know, get more out of it. As Sam says multiple I times. Did, I, did like that they, I, I did like that they pointed out that the Phoenix Splash hadn't been used since mm. the Moxley match, which did, as you said, mm. it, it's a desperation move for him when he's like all dry up and, and doesn't know what to do. Uh, that's one of the wells that he goes to, and nearly all it comes up dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, who was it? It's like, oh, I have to realise the reference is about to make. It's like Martin Kirby trying to hit the Zoidberg elbow. <laughs> it's just, just like the entire time. It's got a massive build-up, like Scotty Too Hotties the Worm. And he does, uh, like the Zoidberg from Future of Army, does the meh, 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 meh with his <laughs> kind of claw hands. <laughs> and he'll go across the, he'll go on the middle rope and kind of just walk across it going meh, 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 and then jump off to do the Zoidberg elbow. And it always misses, aside from the one time it doesn't. <laughs> when he finally hits it, it's like a massive ovation. It's like, oh, he hit the elbow. <laughs> um, but yeah, if... I feel like with the Phoenix Smash Kenny Omega, you can do that where it's a desperation movie. He only pulls out at a certain point, but when he eventually hits it, it's like, oh, he did it. Obviously, you can draw more focus down the line. <laughs> and for me, he only hits it against Kota Ibushi, personally. No one else. He shouldn't hit it on anyone else. <laughs> Just, nah, and... he never hits it. Never hits it. Mm. <laughs> well, because this is that, uh, the current debate in my head of who's the one to kick out of the one-winged angel again. Is it Ibushi or Hangman? I haven't decided which one I want. <laughs> As in, do you keep it for Ibushi or do you let Hamman do it when he wins the title? Because the pop would be insane. <laughs> it's just feel like they're just going to steal it away from us and then Hamman kicks back out. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I can't decide which one I want. They can do both. Again, it's AW. They can pull it off. <laughs> it's fine, but I just... But, but that's that point with that whole, that long-term kind of thing. The fact that neither of them hit their finish. And, uh, and personally as well, the kind of workarounds they're doing, because there's the whole kind of legality issue of Bayern doing the uh, yes kicks. So he, he kind of essentially did the same spot, but he did it in like two halves. He did one on the ramp and he got countered. Then he did the second half with the kick back in the ring like 10 minutes later. 
Well, generally in in his WWE matches, when he'd do the yes kicks, the first the first time he'd do it, the final kick where he psychs himself up and goes for it would generally always get counted or he'd miss it or something would happen, mm. uh, and then he'd hit it later. Um, that's that was one of the flows that happened typically in his WWE matches. I mean, he's going to do it. Um, I think the way they're just going to get around it, he's not going to do it. But if the crowd do it, then they're going to do it. But we did get, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in, yes. um, which I I really liked hearing. I was glad they they fi- that someone finally made that chant work because it's such a cool chant. But it's a it's a it's a few too many words to be really <laughs> yeah, yeah. easy to get. You really got to know what you're doing to get it. But look, if an AEW crowd can, if if any crowd can do it, um, that's not a small you know a small crowd. It's pretty easy. But if any big crowd can do it, I think it'd be an AEW crowd or a British crowd because British. I don't know. You guys just know how to, you know, you, you guys sing songs and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, our football culture has given us a gift of just singing merrily. <laughs> just, we'll say, we'll say we've, when we do sing, we just sound like a bunch of drunk people <laughs> singing. <laughs> just not, not, not to a tune. If you try, if, if a song does have a tune, football fan chanting will erase all sense of tune. <laughs> it's all just to the beat of the song. <laughs> It's, it's, it's all flat, <laughs> but uh, I will say the Welsh don't do that. When the Welsh sing, it's actually half decent. <laughs> if it, ever, ever watch a Wales game of any sport, be it rugby or football, it's it's yeah, it's a beautiful thing. The national anthem, it's a it's a it's a sight. <laughs> it's a sight when they sing it. Uh, anyway, that's a slight tangent. The only the only thing better is is a Pacific Island Pacific Island rugby team listening to the crowd sing them home in their home in their home game the rare home games that they get that's mm. something special but yeah um they got the they got the chant right in new york good job good job arthur ash you nailed it we'll see we'll see how rochester goes next week <laughs> maybe not we'll see we'll see uh, but brian going to lock into the bell lock after the bell you know, like just caught in the hype of the match as sam was saying there's the two of them just wanted to keep fighting and he saw that as the referee calls for the bell and the elite run on down uh, super click kick to Danielson. That's not the name of it, but I like it. In response to bring out their rampage opponents in Christian, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, and that kind of leads us in with momentum into rampage on Friday. And of course, the thing in my head as well is after Baker Soho, that was only half of the show for the live crowd. That they got rampage after this. It's like, oh, <laughs> what a night! <laughs> what a night of the show. Uh, but yeah, they and of course the immediate response to it is just overwhelmingly positive. Which, as well, to say that this is another example, you can do a non-finish and it'd be fine, and it not feels you don't feel cheated. You feel like it was worth your money. It's absolutely full of praise compared to normally when it's a screwy finish. The thing we're used to, we're used to screwy finish equals bad. No, this is a fantastic example. You don't have, and the time limit draw doing those gives you that ability to not have to give a winner or feel like you have to do an interferency type thing. It's like, no, you just have it be a draw. Nobody loses. It's it's not that big brain an idea. <laughs> it was used for decades before. It's just that we've got, we've been trained to think, nah, time limit draw equals bad because that means nobody goes over. Nobody goes over on those shows anyway. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Oh, well, that's an amazing comment, Gareth. <laughs> I have to say, the LaBelle lot locked in after LaBelle. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Getting yourself booked on this show with quotes like that. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Uh, anyway, 
an absolutely amazing match. Can't praise it enough, but we have got the rest of the show to go through, and Sam would like to return to his wife at some point, <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah, i got to work tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so after that, oh, do, I, do I play the riff for this next segment? I was practicing it beforehand. I've not planned Go on, this. the pressure's on, the pressure's uh, on. After that, we got... Oh, the wow, am oh. I glad I did, did, I'm not wrestling on Dynamite tonight for... <laughs> It's CM Punk, it's CM Punk, it's CM Punk, it's CM Punk. Oh, and he's singing it too. Nice. <laughs> I learned well the lyrics. I learned the lyrics and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I played a few of a uh, uh, few of my own original strings. I'll call it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it's CM Punk. It's CM Punk. It's CM. It's in my head now. <laughs> it's, it's not his theme. <laughs> That's how I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, really, him coming out and just going, oh, I'm glad I'm not following that. <laughs> this is just uh, it was just like a lovely moment with our vessel friends as we recover from the opener. It just uh, he's like, oh hi hi uh, hi crowd, I love uh, I love you all. You all love me, isn't this lovely? He's all motivated to send powerhouse Hobbs to sleep. <laughs> it's just yeah, all just a nice little lovely segment. And as it was go- when his music hit at the end, oh, it just hit me like oh yeah, this was just like a this was a come down thing from that white hot match, and then transitioning to the next match. Instead of what I'm used to, where you purposely put on a shit match, <laughs> this was no. Just have a guy go out there, go, "Oh, hi guys, how you doing? They're like, are you are you good? Oh yeah, I'm good as well. Yeah, I'm having a lovely time. Are you are you having a lovely time? Oh, this is great. <laughs> it's just there's. I'm assuming you don't have like that much to say about this because it's just punk coming out and having a lovely couple of minutes before pissing off again. Uh, well, look, it help. It helps having the the come down dude to come out to just sort of keep the crowd bubbling along, but not you know let the moment to breathe but also keep them keep the show moving on it helps when that person is as charismatic as cm punk is <laughs> yeah. uh you know even 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 so he still managed to get some you know nice little character and story beats in it was you know sort of this is the ending of the happy punk tour and the start of him being in actual stories and and Injing on more of a character level than a metal level, which is what he was previously doing. And it's Sam Punk, so he's always going to sort of blend those. He really was like the master of the reality era mm. sort of style where it blends the the real life and the and the kayfabe together. But, you know, this is the start of him really focusing in on stories. And there were some serious moments in it. And one thing that he did say that I, I just point out is he said, this is mine once again. And I get pissed off when people try and take it from me, you know, talking about the crowd, talking about the ovation he was getting. And I just thought that plays as a cheer now, but, you know, in a year's time when he's, you know, maybe the welcome's wearing out a little bit or he's, you know, his character's gone in a different direction. That same line could come off in a very different way. And, you know, I hope maybe they need a seed. Maybe that's me reaching because uh, he is such a damn good heel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, he's just so charismatic on the mic that he could, you know, he could have gone out there and he could have, you know, just said exactly what you said. <laughs> that would have been fine. Just, it's CM, CM Punk. It's CM, CM Punk. Punk. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just leave again, Jericho style. <laughs> just come out and do that. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I love how it is just kind of sowing the seeds for the eventual CM Punk heel turn, which is, mm. oh, yeah. yeah. He's doing it so well, so incredibly well. And yeah, the set is all up for Rampage on Friday. And uh, I don't know, do I need to stay off Twitter till Saturday when I've watched Rampage? I've already seen pretty big spoilers. <laughs> so I really don't really want to have anything, really. 
Uh, so yeah, it's it's a good time. It's a good time to be WrestleFest, full of so much excitement. Uh, anyway, MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. came on after this. Uh, Baddy Maxwell soaking up all of that heat as uh, Pillman Jr. takes a lot of the offense. I think I just assumed they'd give Pillman some hot run of offense when reality it was all MJF and Pillman had a little fight back. Uh, to be fair, I don't. Pillman did feel like when I say several runs below the talent we're seeing on the EW, that's because the talent bar is so incredibly high that somebody who's kind of clearly, I'll say NXT status just because um, he's obviously, he's not been investing very long. It's the other thing of Brian Pillman. <laughs> still, I think it's still only two years, if that. I can't Because I think when he got signed, he'd only been investing a year, which is crazy. Like, like Anna Jay as well. They've got some insane talents. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, been such a short period of time. Anyway, uh, so looking like momentum may have swung as the uh, pissing off Judy Hart tactic of MJF backfired for Friedman as he's rocked by a flying dropkick, but the follow-up springboard countered into the source of the earth as he ventures back on the arm for the tap, and I was like, oh, Pillman Jr. got dissed, then beat. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Normally you get dissed, you... It's, it's, the, it's the old phase of a Leicester City striker, Jamie Vardy. You chat shit, you get banged. But the guy chatted shit and then <laughs> then banged him. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> like he... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, a better phrasing. What have I come to? This yeah. is meant to be a nice, clean family podcast. You know? <laughs> uh, a better phrasing would be, it was a bounce back win after the all out loss. <laughs> Just call it that. For <laughs> MJ, yeah. And yeah, yeah building his momentum back up again. I, I thought they would try and semi elevate Pillman with this but then after watching the match I was like ah, actually no this is more a great moment slash opportunity for Pillman to wrestle in front of a crowd like he's clearly a prospect for the future MJF is clearly a top guy now doesn't really make sense to give Pillman that win now when you can do it later like this can be a stain on Pillman's conscience for years this, this it's, it's the stuff they do be doing and I trust it will be <laughs> they've got they've been around for two years now and well, nearly two years. We're close. In about is it like two weeks? They'll be uh, two years old. Which say that they've just sold out a twenty thousand arena, <laughs> and they're shy of two years old. Mental that they've grown that quickly. But still, th- this was a well, yeah a bounce back win for MJF without really s- stealing any kind of any any momentum from any other match. He felt quite low down on the tier of matches on this card. Yeah, Brian Pillman doesn't feel any worse off for having been featured mm. in this position. Mm. Uh, I uh, Personally, I was hoping there's this brilliant match from during the pandemic um, where MJF went up against Griff Garrison and he had a mic throughout the whole thing and he was beating him up and, and trying to get Griff Garrison to say that I think I think he was trying to get him, Griff Garrison to say that he was better than him or that he quit or something. I think it was better than him. That had, that was probably it. Um, but throughout the whole time, he's just, you know, taunting Griff. And I was kind of hoping he'd do that with Brian Pillman, but I guess they see a little bit more in, in, in Pillman than that. And that was when Griff Garrison was before the Varsity Blondes had formed. So I understand why they didn't do that. I did think this – there were some moments where you could see the seams in that. As you mm. said, Brian Pillman is a little bit inexperienced, but, you know – that's that's me really picking nits there. Particularly, I think the ending was really well done, and MJF just the way he they he incorporated Julia Hart into it. You know, she looked like a little girl 
when he grabbed her and he just looked like the scum of the earth. And the way they used that to set up that little flying drop kick that, that uh, Pillman did through the ropes was fantastic. And then at the end, he went back to Julia because he just knew it was such a, such a good thing. This guy has just such great instincts for, for being, you know, for, for going for, to any and all lengths to get booed and to just look like the scum of the earth. Uh, <laughs> and I love how, I just love how, this is, you know, the commentary team that just loves it. Particularly Tony Schiavone just loves everything in AEW, except for <laughs> except for MJF. Who, yeah. You know, it, even when he's praising MJF, he'll find a way to to throw in an insult because <laughs> MJF is just the most is just the absolute scum of the earth, and uh, Tony Schiavone can barely speak his name without wanting to spit on him. Because <laughs> well, uh, Excalibur as well. Where they're saying like this is MJF's hometown and they hate him that much. <laughs> it's like in front of his friends and family. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have friends. Yeah. <laughs> his family <laughs> and his family. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. MJF's mum and dad went to the show with a sign that was uh, saying like we're uh, it may not be the best parents for this, but we also think MJF sucks. <laughs> this is just... <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I love it. Uh, I love so it. <laughs> And uh, I think MGF did retweet them, and he just was like, F off, mum, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, just... I saw, uh, there was a photo, of, there was one of the one of the signs in the crowd had mm. him from, uh, with a cutout from him on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and mm. I, I never, I never don't chuckle when I see <laughs> the, uh, when I see any throwbacks to that particular little YouTube clip. <laughs> Oh, and uh, speaking of younger self, somebody tweeted out a picture of child Taz, and they were like, he, he still looks like a guy that will just beat the crap out of you. <laughs> and he's like five. <laughs> he does something about him. <laughs> His face just yeah. actually says it. He's not, he's not the guy that you stole lunch money off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes, who was joined by Arn Anderson and the returning... Oh, you're forgetting, oh, you're forget forgetting uh, the, the Jager and Chris Jericho promo. In. I am forgetting that. <laughs> and... I just I just wanted to bring it up because I just love Jake Hager's vacant stare. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he just just like he says he's lied, which doesn't even make that much sense. Mm. And then he's just staring at the camera. He's just like, oh, I just love how he's just embraced the fact that he can't walk and chew at the same time. <laughs> yeah. The biggest dope, but he's a he's just a block of muscle. <laughs> I like how he he tried to say the phrase that Jericho did last week, which got like a loud cheer innovation, and Hager says it, and then the person's like. Uh, yeah, and somehow he got it the wrong way around or something. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Uh, anyway, after that, the arena goes dark and the crowd starts to... Ooh, and then Malachi ap- appears. He gets a pop every single single time. Maybe because the AW crowd has been conditioned to go, oh shit, when the, when the lights go down. It was a joke at first because they were doing it so incredibly often. But the fact that he still gets a pop afterwards, it, it, it hasn't become lights go down, crowd go, oh, so going to happen. And but and they're not going, oh, it's just him. <laughs> like, no, no, they're still popping for him huge when the red light shows and he's there with his legs crossed on the ramp looking incredible. The whole production for his entrance is fantastic. Just the, the way the music is, I'll say screaming along, but the, when it goes dark and then he appears in the different areas of the rings, like, oh, yes, so damn good. So, um, just creates that atmosphere. They bring it up on commentary all the time. It's the atmosphere he sends the arena into. Like, they get it. They get black. 
Yeah, is is the lighting normally blood red? So I didn't remember. I feel like I it's it normally white, white, yeah, yeah. white and black. But he cho- and he, you, you know, he would have chosen that because he loves to like just lay those seeds in. I immediately saw that it was red, and I was like, that's got to mean something. And I loved the usage of the LED ramp as well. It had like it was almost like white snow coming up, um, coming up to him as he was seated, uh, and that with the blood red lighting was just such an incredible visual. And this guy's body language is just so good. It's so it's like menacing, and it's brooding, uh, and you just and then later in the match it plays into the match as well. He's just a master of his body language, uh, and that that translates into how he moves and sells in the ring. Uh, fantastic professional wrestler. Such, such a good get for AEW, this guy. And you could sense it in the air. Even after the time off, oh, yeah. New York <laughs> did not want Cody Rhodes to win this match. They were not behind him. Just that feeling of, oh, yeah, the character... It felt like the character kind of has ran its course a little bit. That doesn't mean Cody has, but his current iteration is kind of like it's, it's hit a wall. And as the rest of AEW is evolving... Cody hasn't really done that. And because it's AEW, <laughs> and it's just because it's them, and like, surely this is the point where they either adjust or they already have, and this is all purposeful. It's one of the two. Because either this is the final note where we're like, well, we know we had to turn against him, but we need to get this note first because of Malachi. He needs, he needs this beat more than Cody needs to turn heel at this point. Cody can turn heel after this. It's fine. Or because again on Twitter I was seeing you know, people going, this might be where he steps away, you know. And personally, I was just thinking he could turn him on this though. <laughs> you can get a whole other run with this kind of momentum, mm. and with with you could even do the delusional baby face thing. We think the heel who thinks he's still a baby face, and the crowd just boo him. There's so many roads you can go with this. That that's look that's exactly we're, we're jumping towards the ending, but mm. that was exactly what I was thinking when they were doing this. I was like, he's just going to keep on doing this, and he's going to getting booed, but that's going to be the point. Um, he's going to be going up against faces, like he's going to go up against Hangman Page, uh, or he's going to go up against Brian Danielson, or he's going to go up against CM Punk, and he's going to act like he's Cody Rhodes in 2019, uh, going up against Chris Jericho, but. Instead, he's up against someone who the crowd love instead of someone who the crowd despise. Mm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like it, it was like Brandy made her return and got like pelters. Yeah. <laughs> just got absolutely <laughs> crapped on. And, and, you know, and I'm glad they're back together, particularly if he is turning heel, because their act together is so good, like mm. particularly when he's a heel. Uh, and... Yeah, look, I'd like to get into the actual match because it was a really good match as well with the way that um, these two interacted. Uh, the the way that they went after one another, you know, it wasn't the sort of athletic and athletic precision or, or quickness of, say, the first match, but they still, like, laid it in. And when they were hitting each other, it felt like there were heavy hits going through. Uh, and you could see the mind games that they were trying to play together. And Malachi's selling throughout was so good. I loved how you got the contrast between the um, – when he – I love the move where he puts the person's um, – lifts the person's head up with his foot uh, and then hits the spinning kick. And he, he, he went to do that and Cody – 
uh, and hit. Co- I think he hit Cody. That was the first time he hit Cody. Uh, but then he went to do it again after Cody had worked over his his leg, and he couldn't do it because of Cody had worked over his leg. Uh, I just loved that particular aspect of the match, uh, and I. As I said, I loved Malachi's body language, you know, like just with just one sort of nod of the head and and gesture towards Brandy. You could just feel the menace mm-hmm. in the air and you could feel how Cody, you know, was just so fire because Cody is all fire and heart and piss and vinegar. Uh, and you could just see how he's just the fire in his eyes lights up as 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 he as um this this guy in front of him just gestures towards his wife, this menacing guy who's taking out all of his friends and family. It's like, I'm going to go for that one as well. You know, <laughs> when you're done, when I'm done with you, she's next. And you know, that, that, that moment was great for me. And like the last time they met became a systematic dismantling of, of Cody. Uh, but this time he has his family, damn it. <laughs> He's got them all on the side. Uh, also, I loved the spot with Black uh, doing the backflip off the ropes into the cross leg and sit down, only for Brandy to jump in, sit down too, and give him the finger. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Such a good spot. Uh, and of course, getting around the, uh, just very naturally getting across the dynamic of this is a different game this time because that family is there at ringside. It's not just Cody by himself, which again, really, really uh, kind of different, getting across the difference uh, that was there in the atmosphere. But seriously, though, the crowd were not behind any Cody fight back. Like, the bloke not even allowed to grab the ropes out of a simple submission. <laughs> Just boo! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and a massive cheer as if Black was a, a hometown man after kicking out of the crossroads as well. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on, oh, uh, I guess the one... and when when Black cheats, Black Black used the mist to cheat. Mm, yeah, <laughs> <He> gets cheated. <laughs> <And> gets... <laughs> yeah, on as well. The only uh, the only I guess slip up. I didn't mean that's an accidental pun. Art when on slipped on the apron ahead of his spot to get knocked off of the apron, which <laughs> then meant he got up onto the apron, fell off. But his spot requires him to be on the apron, so he had to then get back up onto the apron. Cody. Uh, then he got knocked off of it. A bit of a weird miscommunication thing. But it set up the end where Cody... The whole point is Cody's losing his cool. It still works as, what are you doing to Arn Anderson? Mm. Uh, Cody loses his cool with the referee. Which again, in terms of the little subtle heel things. Just the... The whole... Uh, I'm going to say it's... Somebody said it on Twitter. Which gets across the entire point way quicker than I would in describing it. Cody Rhodes is Homelander, not Captain America. And I just love that the, the entire point of the Homelander character is that he just wants to be loved. <laughs> he, he wants all of America to love him and everything he does is out of trying to get the people to just love him. And he can't understand why some of them don't. So what Cody here showing, that, like with Homeland as well, where sometimes he breaks and shows his true colours. Cody doing that, it's like, oh, if he starts taking notes from the boys, <laughs> and just starts doing the... I'm a hero to the people. I'm a baby-faced guy. But then he shows his true colours when he's pushed. So, oh, yes. Flipping yes. <laughs> and this led into the uh, baby-faced Black Mist. Which <laughs> a huge pop of cheer. <laughs> One, two, three to a huge uh, crowd pop. Right result. Something tells me New York would have been fine with Cody getting his head kicked off. <laughs> they were just... <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, really, really uh, strong stuff. 
for those of you who don't know the Homelander Captain America reference by Imp, I think the, the easiest way to put it is Cody got hoisted by his own petard. Mm-hmm. He just wanted too much. He wanted revenge too much. Uh, and he it got in the road of what he was trying to actually do. His, his own fury and fire got the better of him, uh, and he got beaten because of it. Uh, and that's a very heel thing to actually happen to someone if he is, in fact, turning heel. I don't actually know. I, I think the reason he's getting booed is is partly just I think he's had he's had a bad year <laughs> and there's a, there's a lot of things there's a lot of things that will go on in that going on in AEW and I think that his he always attracts a lot of time and a lot of attention uh, and people don't want mediocrity uh, and I, there's been moments there's been flashes of of good stuff like the match with Shaq for instance Obviously, this and the this and the first match with Malachi, but apart from that, there's not been a lot of great stuff. And I think people, uh, this is elite, elite wrestling, and Cody is elite when he wants to be, but he hasn't been this year. And because he attracts so much time, I think the fans are letting him letting them know that like this is not acceptable. And yes, you created this promotion. It's brutal that he's getting this kind of reaction because. He is one of the driving forces behind this promotion being a thing. Like, this would not have happened without Cody Rhodes. But at the same time, this is elite. And elite does not have time for mediocrity. So uh, I get it. I, you know, I I get it. And I understand why some fans are frustrated with that and why they're letting him know that. Because they don't want to see Cody versus QT Marshall, you know. They don't want to see that program taking time away from things that probably deserve it more. Uh, and there's more and more deserving acts joining AEW by the month. Uh, and, you know, if if that means Cody Rhodes takes more of a backstage role, that's sad, but it might be what it is. If it means he has a heel turn, he is a bloody elite heel, I can tell you that. <laughs> yes, 100%. And I, I think I was even saying it on the more reviews, like, yeah, Sam is quite a big fan of the Bullet Club is fine angle. <laughs> like, he's just... <laughs> I remember from back from way back when, back in the day, I remember. <laughs> it was, it's such a good heel. Such a good heel. And I love the idea on BT as well, was the way that he turned babyface. It's like, can I uh, can I be more likable this season? <laughs> in the <board laughs> I really like that. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. That was brilliant. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we were asked, uh, how do we stand on Cody turning heel? Uh, yes, no, how soon? We've kind of touched upon it with the home, whole Homelander idea. Just for that, just, you can do that gradually, really. Nothing needs to be rushed, especially as there are so many elite guys kind of just who demand those spots right now. You can slow bubble this with Cody. It's just uh, to turn him into a, like a heel, a top heel act. So I don't know how far it goes because I'm assuming they're going to stick by the thing of him not going for the title unless that feeds into the heel thing goes ah i'm in charge i can charge for a title now but you have to do that down the line where he's already heel like you've already turned him and it can take maybe i don't know half a year a year doing this to slowly build him back up as that bad guy don't need to rush anything it's fine yeah yeah for me personally i just i don't whether he's a heel or a face and he may play it a bit both ways and that he continues to have the same character um, in fact, I think he will probably continue to have the same character, um, maybe emphasizing different traits, but I just want to see him plugged back into the, the general roster. 
I want to see him interacting with people like, I want to see what him and Darby Allen looks like now. I want to see what him and MJF looks like now. I want to see what him and, say, Hangman Page looks like now because Hangman Page and Cody have a lot of history, um, perhaps more history, actually, than what Hangman Page has with the Bucks, uh, but has never been played up, and that could be a fantastic program. I want to see what him what him and John Moxley looks like. That could be one hell of a program. Mm. I want to see him not off in his own universe, which is what it feels like it's been, um, you know, with him, you know, off fighting Shaq and off fighting QT, very little integration into the rest of what's going on. Um, and damn it, I want to see him back on BTE because he was the highlight of BTE when he was on yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so damn good. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on to... I don't think I'm missing like a... I might have just done hype. might have been a Miro promo. I can't quite remember. Miro promo is always worth listening to. Yeah, one of the... He says the same thing every week. This week it was... When he's talking about God, he's a man's pain. She's a man's pleasure. Sometimes pain too. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> just, just so good. He says the same thing every week and I never get sick of it. <laughs> Still, the absolute peak was the... The only two things that motivate me in life. And that's a vengeful god and a double-jointed wife. <laughs> just, oh, Miro, that's too good a line. No. <laughs> no, I love the I love the one where he talked about how um, he never lies on his back except except uh, at a hotel room after he's had victory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and um, Lana's always following up on Twitter as well. <laughs> it's just, it's so, it just adds to the humour. It's so damn good. Uh, anyway, FTR with Tully Blanchard versus Darby Allin and Sting. A nice little example that this show just didn't have any down periods. A damn great simmering tag team with one over as hell team con- constantly cut off by our dastardly heels. Also, FTR made Sting look like a million bucks, like he was 90s Sting. And mm, yeah. uh, Allin and Sting made FTR look like an absolutely incredible tag team. Is that everyone came out of this looking amazing. This is how you do it. <laughs> and uh, uh, in the end, it came to like Tully with the hidden chair in the corner backfiring as the splashing stinger spots it and uh, Dax goes crashing in. Uh, kick out into the Scorpion Deathlock. An awesome final spot with Cash trying to pull Dax to the ropes only for Darby Allen to coffin drop onto him. Really, really good stuff. Darby Allen continues to be over as hell. Sting looked Awesome in the best way possible in terms of using a veteran or a legend, and I can't like Sting. No, putting him immediately into a title match because he's Sting. It's like no, no, no. Like here was perfect, absolutely perfect. Have the crowd go crazy for him, but the whole point is Darby Allin looks like a superstar. It continues to build him up. Just all the applause for this. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. This was FTR at their absolute finest. The layout of this match was immaculate. Um, the way that they let let Sting and both Sting and Darby Allen get you know get their fire up spots, but then shut them down in such smart ways. Uh, the way they there was one sequence in particular where Darby was going for the hot tag, and they they shut him down. They teased it. They shut him down. They teased it. They shut him down. And then I think Darby rolled. They they held him and he was reaching out and they pulled him back and then Darby rolled through and finally got the tag. The crowd went wild. And I just remember a, a few, Oh, it was a, it was a few, it was a, a year and a half, maybe two years ago and listening to, um, I think it was, I think it was actually Jim Cornette, um, who, you know, he's persona not gratis, but he's still got a decent, he's got a great wrestling mind in some ways. And he was talking about hot tags and he said, you've got to, 
the the idea of two people lying on the ground and both getting a tag at the same time that's not a real hot tag and at the time i was like oh but it works the crowd gets into it but then when i saw this particular one i've seen other ones like it but this particular one i was like a hot tag is when you have everything in between you and the corner you've been beaten down so much and all you need to do is get to the corner but to get to the corner you've got to overcome everything You've got every obstacle between you. And that's what this was. Um, that that was Darby Allen using every ounce of fire, grit, and speed that he's got uh, to get past both members of FTR and get that hot tag to sting. I think it was actually the one that set up the the final. It was the hot tag that set up the, the ending. But as I said, just absolutely spotless, immaculate wrestling. This is the FTR that AEW signed. And this is the FTR that I want to see so much more of going forward. And especially as you've got the Lucha Bros, the, the babyface tag team as champions. Mm. So many yep. different ways you can run with it. And the, it seems to be doing the long build to them versus Santana and Ortiz. Yes, please. <laughs> That's just, mm-hmm. after seeing their feuds yep. in Impact yep. from way back when, oh, mate, <laughs> yes, give me that. And FTR in this yeah. form as well. Is, oh, such a strong yeah. vision. And, and great ending as well to this match. You you already pointed on it, but I just thought I'd say, like, perfect character moment for Darby. He doesn't need to get – the great thing about Darby's character is he doesn't need to get the win. He doesn't necessarily – that's not necessarily this guy's motivation. Um, but recklessly sacrificing himself for someone that he respects, that fits his character just so perfectly. I was not a fan of the Sting and Darby Allen pairing initially. I thought the two characters didn't really gel together super well. They just both wore face paint, and I thought that was a bit of a weak a weak reason to put them together. I, I, I was like, I want to see more of Darby Allen and Mox because I think their particular character dynamic works better. Um, but I've been proven wrong. I was absolutely wrong. They're, this this teaming together has been really beneficial for both men. It's, it's helped make Sting feel relevant because he's with this young, just super, super overheel, and it's given Darby... Not that Darby needed it because Darby was already super popular, but it's just given him just an extra little bit of credibility and shine. Uh, and, you know, this is a guy that that will main event. He's already main evented Dynamites. He's going to main event pay-per-views probably, I reckon, in the next 12 months. Yeah, they're at that point where that bubbling young generation of folk, like MJF, like Hangman Page, it's just, oh, they've got such strong yep. young talent. I think, cause I think Hangman's just turned 30. Uh, that yep. as well. I I think the biggest the the thing that the biggest feud that these that this company has obviously is Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. That's probably the one they've been building to most. But I think one they've got in their back pocket that they will pull maybe late next year. I, I mean, I'd love to see it sooner. It could even be full gear if they, if they play their card cards one way. Is is uh, MJF versus Darby Allen. Um, this is two homegrown talents that they've had. Uh, I think there was a debate on Twitter earlier this week about who is a homegrown talent and who oh, isn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, MJF definitely. Darby Allen, he was in Evolve and stuff. But he's definitely more or less. I'll say he's a homegrown talent for for AEW. But both of them, these two have 
come to prominence in AEW and come of age in AEW mm. as well. They've never shared a screen together, these two. Um, they shared a scene together in BTE um, back before Double or Nothing 2019. <laughs> and, mm. and immediately you could see the contrasting characters. But these two characters are just so different, so diametrically opposed in everything they stand for, everything they want in life, everything that motivates them in life. And they, when they meet, it's just going to be absolute fire. And I think AEW know it and they're intentionally holding off on it so that when they finally meet, it's just going to feel like the biggest thing. And it's going to be a landmark program for this this um, this company. And it's because they've done such a great job building Darby Allen up in, in get matches like this and building MJF up in programs with Chris Jericho, in, in matches with Brian Pillman like earlier earlier in the night. Yeah, just the future is incredibly bright. <laughs> it's just like again, there was that mm. a, a silly quote that I only saw because of Rich Latter. <laughs> the uh, thing of, oh, but what do they do when they don't? When they're not going to be surprise debuting folk? Is that that's a, that, I mean, if you started watching AW because of the uh, debuts and stuff, that, that's good that they found a way to pull you in. You checked it out, whether it's for you or not. At least they gave that you gave it a shot. But for that to be your takeaway, that immediately is just like, oh yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> like they'll just do this. What they were yeah, doing beforehand. They've got they've got plenty of pops left. Yeah. So many pops. Mm. They've got a they've got a, a bank worth of pops. They've got a bank vault worth of worth of pops and, and that, that pop bank bank vault is earning compound interest every single dynamite. Oh yeah, you saw, like, as I was saying at the start of this show. And I'm was... a banker. So you can't argue with me about it. <laughs> it's come from an expert. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Uh, but yeah, with uh, the like the three pops to start this show, just all of them were just incredibly loud. And he thought again with Adam Cole, who wasn't on this show on Dynamite last week, he got an incredible pop. It's just like, yeah, there's, and that's just them walking out for their match. This isn't, oh my God, this person's here. It's like, no, this is, oh, we like that guy. And they're incredible pops, <laughs> wherever they're going. And it, it, feel, it feels like, oh, what are you, are you going to do when they're not rolling off these hot shows? It's like, well, so far their tactic has been keep rolling off hot shows <laughs> and it seems to be weirdly be working if you give a crowd a show that they're massively enthusiastic about it turns out that enthusiasm is quite infectious and it does catch on and it seems to be happening at yeah, every not, show they what, run what a novel concept yeah. you give people what they want to see and and then they they get excited and they want to see more and so you give them more of what they want to see it's <laughs> quite an interesting concept <laughs> the essence of 2019 batista brought to life <laughs> give me what i want give me what i want <laughs> in you in you <laughs> uh, anyway then oh, we did get a kind of a rundown for rampage on friday as well i won't be able to cover rampage because given i'm english i'd have to do it middle of a saturday not the best uh, i'm I'm hoping to find a schedule where I can at least cover like Rampage slash SmackDown in some fashion. It's just right now not happening. Uh, but we've got a rundown through the card. It looks like another solid card. The main events are lights out match with Suzuki, <laughs> Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston and Moxley. Oh boy. That's pretty solid to me. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the card also looks like full of hype and excitement as well. Uh, so can't wait to watch that on Saturday morning. Uh, also, they're, they're going to get back after after that match. They're going to get back, and Tony Card's going to go. When I said tear the house down, you know I meant that metaphorically, right? <laughs> uh, I, and I I have heard good things that people left excited and happy, which is no surprise <laughs> given the look on the guard. Like, cool, awesome. Yeah, right. don't don't send me spoilers. You will get blocked immediately <laughs> without without 
um, with <laughs> without remorse, <laughs> without hesitation, you will get blocks and you will not be unblocked ever. <laughs> Even if long-term friendships will be broken over this. <laughs> no, don't do anything. Yep. Yep. That is an immediate heel turn in my eyes. Irredeemably heel turn. <laughs> Speaking of Redeemer, uh, also on Wednesday, Miro will be defending his title against Sammy Guevara. That link was like we planned it. <laughs> it's just, yes. Next week, next week on, on Dynamite, immediately into another hot match, Miro versus Sammy Guevara. Again, just like we're saying, just turns out it's so easy just to rotate people in and out like this. Suddenly, you, if you've got the TNT t- champion not on the show this week, Turns out he's defending it on the next episode. It's like, oh, what an insane concept <laughs> to rotate people in and out and just keep momentum rolling like this. Really, really strong. And we also ended the show strong with the AEW Women's Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending against... Defending against... I've got the guitar back. Defending against... Oh, no, my headphones have gone <laughs> over the strings. There we go. <laughs> Oh, damn it, headphones. <laughs> Give if, a that. Just while he, he settles himself back down, if you haven't heard the story about how uh, Ruby Soho got got that, that theme song given to her by Rancid uh, and got given the name and how much that meant to her, it's on Talk is Jericho and um, Renee Paquette's podcasts. Check that out. It's be- a beautiful wrestling story. Oh, just And such a lovable soul as well, <laughs> Ruby Soho. Oh, just yep. the fact yep. that you would see that and all of the kind of backstage stuff with uh, WWE anyway, but it never got onto the screen. AEW is so good at just taking those things you were seeing, just not on WWE TV. Like whenever you see them give like a sudden like a backstage interview after a match or things on Twitter, surprisingly AEW's gone. Oh, we're not going to do anything special. We're just going to use that. <laughs> You've already been doing that. <laughs> Why not just put that? On well, TV? well, to be fair. To be fair to WWE, she was playing a heel most of the time, so she wasn't meant to be sweet and likeable. <laughs> uh, I mean, in her last run, she was a babyface with Liv Morgan, and they were just like a nothing. That's true. Maybe yeah. on the yeah. show, won't really get much of a reaction when they come out, because the act that is maybe on the show, we might give you a number one contender spot, but if anything, it's... We might, but we might cut you at the last second yeah. as well. Yeah, they were, that, they were that level. Which obviously for a talent like Ruby sucks, and to see her immediately get that gratification. This isn't a or oh, couldn't cut it elsewhere, and this shows up there small times. Like no, no, clearly this is somebody that had talent they just never saw it, which is going to happen. It maybe even happen one day. May even happen with AEW. Somebody may feel so underappreciated, then it goes to WWE. Right now we're just we're seeing it the other way because of AEW's current rise, and we're seeing and so we- many people who were just kind of never given that opportunity. And that's, that's why the promo worked so well last week with uh, Baker and Soho. I had a I had a bit of an interesting back and forth with a guy called Greg DeMarco on the on on Twitter earlier this week, and we're talking about are people actually different between in AEW to what they were in WWE? And I think I I subscribe to the idea that it's probably less than what most less than than what a lot of people say it is. Um, but what AEW does is take what probably their peak was in WWE and really emphasize that. Like mm. if you look at, you know, we talked about Miro earlier, he's essentially having a similar run to what he did with the U S championship run. Uh, and that's fantastic. And, and you know, that's, that's where you want him, but that's not where he stayed in WWE and same, you know, uh, and you can see with Ruby, like 
this is her pinnacle in WWE was probably when she was in NXT. She had a she had a title match and was was very good and and very good in that and then got used different and also had a title match on the main on the main um, on the main roster against Ronda Rousey as I got reminded um because I'd completely forgotten that happened and, and carried herself so well and now what has where has AEW put her immediately at the top of the card because that's where a wrestling talent like Ruby Soho belongs and it's probably where she belonged in WWE it's just that company has so many other great wrestlers that they just can't fit everyone uh and you know this I don't. The ratings haven't come in as of now, but this may be the most watched Dynamite ever, and it was headlined by Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker, a, a, a women's match, um, during you know, a recent debutante and one of their homegrown stars. Yeah, and that's that's the thing I've been kind of highlighting with AEW in these past few weeks. Yes, has been the rivals of CM Punk and uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, or Daniel Bryanson, as I also want to say. Like they <laughs> they bring in all that momentum, all of those eyes. But then immediately after they showcased their homegrown stars, which is like on the, I think it was the show after All Out, they put on Hobbs versus Dante Martin. It's just like, yeah, this showcasing their young upcoming talent. There is no need to kind of just stock the entire show. You can just showcase somebody and build them up, give them a nice little showing. Mm. Look at these future stars that we've got. It isn't just about these big names we're bringing in, but also building these other awesome talents and the show is so much yeah. better for it. Yep. And this was another case where they got this massive stage, the incredible stadium, set in the highest uh, attendance record for a non-WWE show since, I think it was one of the uh, WW, WCW shows at like, their peak, maybe. I can't remember what year it was. Mm. Somebody posted it, but I don't know, because <laughs> I'm not American. I don't keep on it that much. But still, it was... Uh, <laughs> to put this as the main event, and it, as soon afterwards, it's just like, oh, yeah, it makes all the sense. It's the only title match on the show. Yeah, why not? And you're going to a time limit draw with the other one. So, so some people might not like the end, the show ending like that. Whilst here, you end with a genuine defence. And, and it felt big time. After mm. the promos that they did on Rampage, it felt big time. Like it, it felt like it had the feel that you want a main event match to have. Um, like, And both both guys got big reactions as they came out. The The, as I said, the the way that this arena sounded was fantastic. And you could hear it in the DMD. It was cavernous. It was so loud. Um, and, you know, the crowd throughout was chanting, Ruby Soho, DMD, Ruby. It was, you know, mm. that fantastic, you know, duality where, you know, you want both guys to win. And this match was just really, really good. There was so many great sequences in it. These two gelled together really well. I feel like in some of Brit's, um, Brit's matches previously, she's sort of overplayed a hand a little bit, uh, and maybe the uh, either she or the other wrestler just hasn't been up to speed with what they wanted to try and do or their ambition sort of outmatched what they could actually get done. But in this, they just they got everything right. They hit everything they needed to. They had you know tight, snug offense, and I don't know personally. I think I think Britt Baker is a Tanahashi fan because she does a lot of like. Tanahashi esque moves with like you know the swinging neck breaker, just the brilliant snapping switch, um, the brilliant snapping sling blade, um, which she hits in a you know in a Tanahashi esque way where she really like pulls down on the opponent instead of just floating past and getting them to <laughs> flop over. <laughs> um, you know this was this was a really fun match to watch and a really great ending to the show. 
Yeah, yeah. Destination known as the women's title main event, Dynamite. Uh, Ruby fighting the numbers game too as uh, Baker reaps the advantage. Uh, the Avalanche air raid crash, not enough. The stomp, not oh, enough. Oh, that was gnarly. Well, just the yeah, these the closing sequences really literally elevated things incredibly well. It's that desperation thing that we saw, especially as Ruby was the one to take it high and then got countered and nearly lost the match. But she didn't. She kept kicking out. But as soon as Soho hit the kick, and we got the name for it for the first time on this show called the No Future Kick. As soon as she hit that, up jumped the help. Like, Reba's interference kicked to the face, uh, but Jamie, Jamie Hayter snaps her over the top rope and into the locked jaw. Soho fell for the loss. And the commentators just uh, saying that they'd stolen it. They'd stolen Ruby's moment. A bit Baker was the, the big heel, <laughs> sort of things. Uh, but no, it was... I personally really like it because it, so de- when he got ringside help, there's always there's the line that I'll probably call the Dick Togo line. <laughs> just the that thing of there is a, such a line as too much interference that it just takes away from the entire match. <laughs> and this match gave practically none until shit got real. And then they immediately jumped up to try and help in that specific moment. And there were attempts earlier, but because Ruby was with it, she dodged them all. Which gets my other gripe, where you know Dick Togo is going to do something. How can you never fight him off? <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this was like immediate. Yeah, well, Ruby. Yeah. Well. In this case, Ruby was prepared, and she, you know, as soon as it started happening, she knew what her, she was going to do. But she just got overwhelmed by the numbers because, mm. you know, it's three <laughs> against one, and yeah, it wasn't. I think with with interference, the key is to make it quick and snappy, mm. get in and get out. Um, don't make the referee look like an idiot. Don't be standing around forever. Um, and if there's going to be a save, make it quick, like have them come in and don't, don't make the wrestlers look stupid. Like they're, you know, like they're idiots and don't make the referee look like an idiot. And this, they pulled it off. I think they pulled it off really well. There's a definitely a place for interference. It's not what I want to see in every single match, but there's a place for it, particularly, particularly with heels. And, Britt didn't just look – she didn't rely on that. She was also smart, and she is vicious. And I think that's one part of her character that I really like. I like she's got a vicious streak to her, and um, that's emphasized in her finish with the locked jaw. It's emphasized in the snap that she has in her moves, like particularly the curb stomp that she mm. does is just it, – it's brutal, and it, it gets sold so well by – by the the wrestlers, but there's just a snap to the way that she delivers her things, which speaks to a viciousness of a character that I I think is very fitting for a champion. Um, yeah, as I said, I I I, I didn't mind the ending. I I was kind of hoping Ruby right Ruby right Ruby Soho would win. Uh, old habits, hey. <laughs> um, I was hoping Ruby Soho would win. That would have made my predictions perfect for the show wasn't to be um i thought it could have been a good way to sort of immediately elevate her to the main event uh and immediately establish someone and give you know add some questions to the brit character um that could be interesting but it didn't happen uh and it doesn't matter ultimately because brit's brit is a star absolute superstar and still looks like it and ruby through the way that she fought in this match um she was also smart and she had so much fire, but she just couldn't quite match. Um, but down the line, maybe she will. And I want to see her, you know, mixing it up with some of the other women in the division as well. Yes, they, they've set, they continue to set it up incredibly well. 
just to that point where I'm ha- I was half expecting them to do the New Japan route of the next challenge of walks out, but no, no, that's, that's not how Ado can hold it off to next week. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, a incredible show, main eventers by a really strong match as well, it, and it will be famously remembered for the opening match with the time limit draw with Omega and Danielson just blowing the roof off the place. Talked about me- immediately, like an instant classic. Talked about in those kind of lights, those uh, that momentum. And we've got Rampage on Friday. It doesn't end here. This is halfway through the show. <laughs> we've got the second half, a two-hour Rampage on Friday night. Just, oh, just They're rolling with such momentum right now. And to also from somebody within WWE as well, I don't care why they're doing it. The fact that I'm actually seeing evidence as efforts, of efforts as I've been calling it. <laughs> it's just, it's like, yeah, when I don't care why they're trying. If they're trying, that means I'm getting good wrestling across the board. Or at least... Wrestling that is trying to be good <laughs> across the board. And AEW has such incredible momentum. Like, that's how I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if this is their best number ever. I mean, it's, it feels like it's, they've always struggled to beat that first number, where it's just like, in, just the incredible interest off that first number, which they're never going to be matching after that anyway. But the fact that they're slowly, week on week, getting closer and closer to that number. And this was a massive show. Uh, yeah, Arthur Ashe Stadium as well. Still in the peak, win that bubble around Arthur Ashe being like a focal point of sports as well. And then we get the Omega vs. Danielson match, which surely brought in more people from the outside just to see that as well. Just the amount of momentum they've got. It's just continuous excitement. And people like me and Sam, we've been watching it since day one. We just look at it and go, yeah, they've been building this since day one. <laughs> like, it's still mm. good. Still yep. winning this guy strong. Yeah, it's or it's so awesome to see. Like this, this show reminds me of um, the energy that there was at the original All In, mm. um, the energy that was at the most recent, the the, the original Double or Nothing, uh, just bubbling with possibilities, bubbling with excitement, bubbling with happiness and potential. You know, just great. Next week they're going to Rochester. They're probably going to do something beautiful for Brody Lee there. Um, you know, this is a company that right now is just going from strength to strength and it's so good to watch. It's so fun to watch. Um, and yeah, there's been some, you know, there's been some good times and some bad times as a, as, as an AEW fan, probably I would argue massively more good times than there's <laughs> been bad times, but you know, there's been the odd production botch and, and sort of things there. None of that tonight. They mm. absolutely were on, were on top top performance this tonight hats off to tony khan for having the guts to to book this you know is it twenty thousand seat mm. venue double anything they've done before hats off to him for, for having the guts to give it a go hats off to the evps um for how they've put the help put this pro this company together all the people who had hands in creating this show amazing job all across the board i can't give it any Higher praise. <laughs> what time to give it that? That was ultimate praise. Uh, anyway, uh, Sam, where can they follow you as we sign off? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Sir underscore Samuel, and I've uh, got a new project. I'm not going to announce it yet, but uh, it's it's coming out soon um, in the next month or so. Uh, it's about AEW. So, yeah, if you enjoyed listening to me here, follow me on Twitter. Um, everything will be announced there. Uh, and as I said, you can find my – as Imp said, I used to write for Wrestling Headlines, still do periodically every now and again, haven't for a while. But you can find my column archive on Wrestling Headlines um, under Sir Sam's Court. Yeah, I, I also am meant to be writing columns, but I vote the NXT is dead one, and <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna take a took a little break. <laughs> it's just I, I posted that the, the shit stirred and I left. <laughs> so it's just I'll get back eventually with that one. It uh, got resurrected live and in Technicolor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a kid, a kid, or like a kid's daytime studio thing <laughs> where, or do you want to see the celebrity get the green goo dunked on them and like yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, people are people are enjoying it at the moment so yeah. it's it's good it's good while it lasts there's still some... they still do green goo kids shows that's a thing from the 90s i don't know <laughs> that's still a thing <laughs> uh anyway uh, i'll be back on tuesday with the raw review and then yes i will be doing dynamite again <laughs> just oh because I, it was, as soon as nxt shifted i was like i've watched nxt since like may I probably should start covering AW. <laughs> so here we are. And I've, it's been a delight every single week. It's, it's nice to cover good wrestling <laughs> for once. It's really nice. Uh, anyway, follow me on Twitter at uh, the damn implicat. The damn is a damn. And over on Twitch with the implications with two S's. And Wrestling Headlines, the site that we're doing this for as well. Uh, at Russell Headlines on Twitter. That's Wrestle Without an E. I'll get the pronunciation of Wrestle Without an E correct. That's <laughs> Rus- Rustle. <laughs> Rustle Headlines. <laughs> also on Facebook of uh, Wrestle Headline- Wrestling Headlines as well. Uh, so with that, say thank you for watching, liking, engaging in any form and any manner. Always appreciated. Never taken for granted. And with that... A bid with you. What did you make of AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, AEW Wrestling Grand Slam, AEW Wrestle Grand Slam, AEW Live from Arthur Ashe? <laughs> Think of us the names. There's so many names. Just type in AEW. See the number of hashtags for this show. <laughs> There's so many. Words. I cannot take it for uh, And with that, a bid with you. And I say adios. And so Sam says... I'm on mute. No. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I like doing that because I never tell the guests ever that I'm going to do it. <laughs> and they're never ready. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> like, what do you mean what we're going to say? We ended the show. <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, no. <laughs> oh. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Hooroo.